It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The number six is forever retired across the NBA. There's already retired for the Orlando Magic, but it's time again to talk about retired jerseys. It's time to talk about the history of the three-point shot with the Orlando Magic. It's time for a Friday edition of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is August 12th, 2022. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk some magic history. Jersey retirement is coming up again as the NBA and the NBPA announced that the number six will be retired across the NBA in honor of Bill Russell. The Orlando Magic have already retired the number six, but we'll talk a little bit about the Magic and their history with retiring jerseys uh, and reset that debate coming up here in a moment. Plus, we're going to begin our Orlando Magic Shooting Month series here on Locked on Magic by talking about Dennis Scott and the impact that he had on the early Orlando Magic and really on the entire league as a three-point shooter. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Locked on Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning whether it's right when we upload, we truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. So search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. The big news in the NBA uh, came uh, over the afternoon. The NBA and the NBPA have announced that they will retire the number six in honor of Bill Russell across the entire league. Um, this was a move that several former players had been calling for, that several NBA historians have, have said would probably be warranted, um, and is a, a really just great gesture for an incredible man. Um, if, if you know, It's been a, a, almost two weeks now uh, since Bill Russell's passing, and you know, if you haven't done so, go back and listen to Locked on Celtics the day after um, uh, uh, from last Monday. Uh, as they talk about Bill Russell, Locked On NBA talked a lot about Bill Russell. You can check out our friends uh, from Fanside at the Over and Back podcast. Bill Simmons probably had a really good, I haven't listened to Bill Simmons' uh, Bill Russell date, uh, tribute, but he also has a book of basketball podcast that was really good on Bill Russell. Bill Russell is one of the seminal players and one of the most influential players in the entire NBA. It's not just the 11 championships that he won. It's it's everything that he did as a person. He is who you want as a role model for how to be as a human being, uh, showing incredible, you know, a, a incredible toughness and ferocity on the court. He was an incredible teammate, uh, but more than that, he stood up for what was right and stood up for what he believed in in so many ways. Um, you know, again, we we think that the civil rights movement um, and and segregation and everything that happened in this country here in the United States 
is a distant memory in that, you know, we have evolved and, and we certainly have. Things have certainly gotten better and 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 things are, you know, as as Dr. King said, the arc of uh, the, the arc of history is long, but it bends toward justice. And, and you know, you can certainly argue that things have bent the other way a little bit here in the last few years. Certainly, the NBA took front and center as part of the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, the Orlando Magic were involved, uh, obviously, in the protest uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks during the 2020 bubble that that almost derailed the entire season. But ultimately, the league and the players. You know, made their stand, and 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 you know, again, the the Magic specifically have their games, have their diversity diversity makers program. They're you know, they're they're doing what they can. Again, you can argue that they could do more. I certainly would argue that they can do more. I'm probably not in the position or or, or the person to tell you what that more is, except to say to continue listening. Uh, I know that was what I said back at that time, just to continue listening. Take take someone's experience. Uh, and 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 absorb it and say how can we be better as a nation and and that's really the challenge that Bill Russell asked a nation that probably wasn't ready to come to that reckoning. We're certainly in a, I would say we are in a better place as a nation. We're not where we need to be, but we're in a better place as a nation because we're willing to at least take that step to listen. We're we're, we're willing to absorb that experience and say how can we make things better, um, and, and that's really what Bill Russell challenged. America to do when they weren't really ready to do it. Um, and, and you can tell how revered he is around the league, not just because he's a winner on the court, but because he is a role model off of it. Um, whether the league is going to retire jerseys more so for other great players, you know, Michael Jordan certainly is considered the greatest player of all time, wearing, wearing number 23. Only the Chicago Bulls and the Miami Heat have retired number 23. Um, in his honor, uh, that they, that's an, that's a point of embarrassment for the Heat, I might add. Um, but certainly, Bill Russell is a player and, and, and a person of the stature that his jersey should be retired and, and remembered throughout the entire league. It is not clear yet whether that means just a, a an inform not informal but a kind of informal everyone retires number six. Number six is not given to any players. Or if that means a number six banner will go up uh, in in each arena. Again, the Miami Heat have number twenty three hanging in the American in the FTX arena, whatever it's called, in in, in whatever they call that arena now, um, as well as number thirteen for Dan Marino. Which again, it's a point of embarrassment for the Miami Heat. I just want to keep pointing that out. Um, but it's not clear if the number six for Bill Russell will hang next to the number six for the fans um, in every arena. I, honestly, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. So bad thing, and it's going to be uh, for much of the same reasons that I'm about to argue here. Um, just going to this hard right turn to this aside, um, the Orlando Magic have only one retired jersey um, in their history. It is, the, it is the honorary number six for the fans. Only one player in Magic history has ever worn the number six on an NBA floor. That was Patrick Ewing, um, because the Magic had already given number 33 to Grant Hill. Patrick Ewing wore six. Orlando did not stop him from doing so. Um, and so Patrick Ewing will Remain will be the only Magic player ever to wear number six on the floor because that number has always been reserved for the fans. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
It is a point of argument and a point of contention among Magic fans about when and whether it is the right time to retire jerseys. It is a point, honestly, it is probably a point of contention between the mat between the Magic alumni and, and the luminaries who should have their jerseys retired. There's, it's not a long list. Um, and the front office that they have not retired jerseys. Um, that's that's probably more specifically related to Shaquille O'Neal, but they have a point. Um, and almost immediately after I tweeted out and shared the, the tweet from the NBA and the NBPA saying that uh, Bill Russell's jersey would be retired throughout the entire league, I immediately got a few people who asked, why haven't the Magic retired jerseys? It's, it's ridiculous that the first player who will have his jersey theoretically at least hung in the Amway Center rafters will belong to a Boston Celtic. It will not be their own player. And to that point, I say, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, when the Orlando Magic initially conceived of their Orlando Magic, Bas- Orlando Magic Hall of Fame idea, um, this was during the 25th anniversary season, so almost 10 years ago now. Um, God, it's really always been 10 years ago, geez. Um, when the Magic conceived of this idea, I was initially for it. And, and Alex Martins, the Magic's CEO, said at the time that we do have a criteria for retiring jerseys and, and no player has met it. And it's been widely assumed that that criteria is to win a championship. The Magic do not want to retire a jersey until they've won a title and they retire it for that player who won them a championship. Essentially, again, maybe being a little bit too big for themselves, are saying we will not give this honor to anyone that does not win us a title. Um, you know, At the end of the day, we're, we want to be about winning championships. Again... This is just what Alex Martin said. And at the time, I said, okay, that, that's fine. I, I've always felt like the Magic need to do a better job honoring their history, a better job recognizing their history. And some of that is they've had such bad relationships with their main stars, but the Magic have needed to do a better job honoring their history. And so this Magic Basketball Hall, this Magic Hall of Fame idea is one that I I, 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 I supported when they first came up with it 10 years ago. And, and I think... It was a, a, a really good conceived idea to make sure that they honor the entirety of their history and not necessarily just the the great the, the great of the greats. Um, it's a chance to, you know, get Jimmy Hewitt uh, to get your David Steele. So, you know, every I, I, I've often joked about this with even with people who I, I've told, hey, you're going to be in there one day. It, it's not who should go win at this point; it's what order. And and I think the Magic have done a good job making sure they get all the main players and. At that point, I was like, you know, that's enough. It's in a place in the arena. It's fine. I would say that I agree, though, with fans now that say that the Magic need to start retiring jerseys. Um, that the Magic need to come up with a more permanent honor, a, a, a high honor for the most important players in this franchise. And and the reason why I say this is much of the same reason why I, I think the NBA ultimately decided to retire the number six. Obviously not to the same degree as the NBA is retiring number six. They're retiring number six because they want everyone around the league to remember Bill Russell. They don't want him forgotten to history. They don't want what he represents forgotten to history. Everyone needs to know who Bill Russell is. It is, it is vital vital to the history of the NBA. It is vital for so many things. And I keep thinking to myself, there is now a whole generation of Magic fans who never saw Nick Anderson play and don't know why he is so important to this franchise. There, there are honestly probably a lot of fans who are not Magic fans who would hear me say that and say, why Nick Anderson? Isn't that the guy that missed four free throws? And honestly, that's 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 the most important phrase to me is Nick Anderson cannot be
be remembered as the guy who missed the free throws in game one. That might be how he is nationally, but not to this franchise. And so I think, to me, retiring jerseys is about putting a permanent reminder in the Arena Bowl, not tucked away in on the on the concourse, you know, frankly, in a place that's kind of hard to see and not really dressed up well. Somewhere that everyone in the arena looks up and asks, who's who's number 25? Who is this Anderson character? Now, obviously, Nick Anderson is, wouldn't be the only one that would go in. If I were retiring jerseys today, I would retire Nick Anderson, Penny Hardaway, Shaquille O'Neal, Tracy McGrady, and then when he and then when he retires, Dwight Howard. Those are the guys. And I wouldn't go to Daryl. It's probably about where I'd cut it off, is with those five. Kind of the big four in the Magic's franchise history, plus Nick Anderson. That's all I need. That, that would be it. Those are the luminaries, the most important figures in Magic history. You keep the Magic Hall of Fame. It's a way to recognize everyone. It is a way to recognize everyone who's made a major contribution. We'll talk about Dennis Scott. He is... Him not being in the Magic Hall of Fame yet is a bit of an oversight. If it were me, he'd be next. I would have done Daryl and Bo Outlaw together. Um, you know, I, you know Scott Skiles, if he ever wants to come back to Orlando, absolutely needs a place in the Magic Hall of Fame. Uh, I have told Jeff Turner this. Jeff Turner should be in the Orlando Magic Bas- or in the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame as a player, as a broadcaster, as just a contributor to the franchise and the organization. There is 100% a place for those players. For players like, you know, again, I, I got heat for this. Nikola Vucevic is an Orlando Magic Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, Dwight Howard will be an Orlando Magic Hall of Famer, and, and, and you get, the again, the chance to bring them in twice to do both of these ceremonies, do both of these things. Again, Magic history is, is something to celebrate. There is a lot of things that are really fun about Magic history. We're going to get into one of them coming up here in a minute. But... The Magic have to do a better job celebrating their history and honoring their history. And, and and the reason why I've come around to retiring Nick Anderson's jersey and retiring number 25 in the rafters at the Amway Center is to make sure everyone knows who number 25 is. To make sure everyone knows and remembers who Nick Anderson is. Again, it, it's, it's not to the same degree. So I don't mean to bring something small into this conversation about Bill Russell. I have the most utmost respect for Bill Russell. Honestly, the highlight of my 2012 All-Star weekend was sharing an elevator up to the press, sharing an elevator with Bill Russell. I was too nervous to talk to him, um, but I was like, I was like marking out in my head because Bill Russell was, was, was in my presence. So I was, I was around Bill Russell, That that that's, that's how, you know, again, if you're, if you know basketball history at all, Bill Russell is, a, is, is such an important figure. And obviously, uh, for the history of athletes and activism, Bill Russell is is such an important figure, not just as the black first black head coach in the NBA, but as just as someone who stood up for what he believed in, marched with Dr. King, was instrumental in 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 coming together to support Muhammad Ali as he uh, protested the Vietnam as he protested being drafted into the Vietnam War. Just so many things. Bill Russell was such a critical critical figure in, in American history in a way that, that you know, honestly, we probably don't fully understand, especially someone uh, like me doesn't completely understand and, and honestly wants to learn more about. Um, so if you have any resources to learn more about them, please send them my way. I would, I, I love learning everything I can about Bo Russell um, that, that I can. Um, but for the Magic, from the Magic's perspective, Nick Anderson is such an important figure. Um, you know, again, there, there's just no getting around it. Nick Anderson is important, and, and 
as someone who watched Nick Anderson play growing up, there, you know, there are people who just did not get to see him play and don't understand why he's important. He's the first draft pick in Magic history. He was here with the first 10 years, made the greatest play in Orlando Magic history, stealing the ball for Michael Jordan uh, in game one of the 95 Eastern Conference semifinals. Is just embodies everything this organization wants to be. Um, it sucked when he was not involved. And the Orlando Sentinel came out with the article, um, I think it was in the early 2000s, came out with the article that Nick Anderson was sitting at his home in Atlanta wanting to do something with the Magic, and the Magic just did not have room for him or did not have something for him. Honestly, that, that Orlando Sentinel article changed and got Nick Anderson back home and brought him back to Orlando. And obviously, he is a bright face that everyone around the Amway Center want, loves to see. He is uh, a really important community ambassador. He has been so, so vital to so many things within this community. Uh, Nick Anderson's 25 should be hanging in the rafters. Um, just bottom line, you can wait on Shaq. Shaq should be too. I know Shaq is a little peeved uh, from from everything that I understand. You know, is a little peeved that his jersey's retired in the, with Los Angeles, with Miami, but not with Orlando. It absolutely should be retired in Orlando. Uh, again, when the, whenever the Magic do decide to start retiring jerseys, he is going to be the second person to call up or the next person to call up. To me, though, Nick Anderson is the original Magic player. He was the right choice to be the first person into the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame. He's the right person and a vital person to make sure his presence is always felt within the Amway Center. Retire 25 uh, is, is just, it's a no-brainer for me. We're going to continue talking Orlando Magic history Coming up here in a moment, we're going to talk a little bit about the history of the three-point shot with the Orlando Magic and how Dennis Scott changed everything. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, waiting for it to load, but first, a quick word from our pals at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and, up, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. I believe they have over-unders for the NBA season up. I know they have over-unders for Paolo Bancaro's rookie year, rookie of the year award as well. Check out all the great odds. The Orlando Magic will be front and center in a lot of award races this year. Plus, maybe the playoffs, maybe. I don't know. We'll find out. Bet online where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This week on, or this month on Orlando Magic Daily, we are looking for and studying the best shooters in Orlando Magic history. We'll have a full list of the top 10 shooters in Orlando Magic history coming up later on this month. But the other thing we wanted to do with this project was to tell stories about 
the Orlando Magic and their relationship with the development of the three-point shot. Um, it is undoubtedly the three-point shot. The three-pointer is one of the most important offensive weapons currently in the league. It is impossible without three-point shooting. And obviously, the Orlando Magic current team is trying to climb up that ladder and trying to uh, be trying to be a better three-point shooting team. It's, it's essential to survival. It was not always this way, of course. And the Orlando Magic, both in 1995 and in 2009, were instrumental in showing the league that you can be successful as a three-point shooting team, that you could use a three-point shot as a weapon. And we're going to start right now at the very beginning. We're going to start right now with how the three-point shot really developed and what the league was like when the Orlando Magic entered the league in the 1990 season. The three-pointer began in the 1979-80 season, so it was around. But surprisingly, at least by today's standards, nobody used it. Nobody used the three-point shot. In the 1990 season, the Orlando Magic expansion team took just 4.8 three-point attempts per game. That was 22nd in the league. They were 29.5% from beyond the arc. So yes, the three-pointer wasn't used because there weren't many great three-point shooters, but teams just didn't shoot a lot of threes. In fact, the Magic gave up 6.8 three-point attempts per game. That, that, that first Magic team, the 1990 Magic team, was a run-and-gun team. They tried to get out uh, in transition. They tried to push the pace. But unlike today's NBA where teams that push the pace shoot a lot of threes, this team was trying to get to the basket, trying to get layups, trying to beat the other big man down the floor because they didn't have a big man, and taking mid-range jumpers. Conversely, because they were giving up so much pace, they gave up a lot of threes. In fact, um, the league leader in three-point attempts per game in the 1990 season, the Orlando Magic's first season, was the Cleveland Cavaliers. 0.4 attempts per game. In fact, there are only two teams in the league in that inaugural 1990 season for the Orlando Magic that took more than 10 three-pointers per game. It's pretty wild when you think about it. When you stop to think about it, when you start to stop to think about where the league is now, where teams take 10 three-pointers in a quarter um, often, teams overall were not taking a lot of three-pointers. There were a few outliers here and there. The Denver Nuggets were a, a crazy fast-paced team. But this was a, the Magic entered a league that had the three-point line, but it was a novelty. Nobody really used it. And so what's really important to know is that the Magic were indeed part of the vanguard that changed how the three-point shot was used. Now, he was not alone in this. He was not necessarily the full catalyst. There were players like Mark Price, uh, Michael Adams, Reggie Miller. There were plenty of players who were beginning to figure out that the three-point shot could be a weapon. But Dennis Scott, the Orlando Magic's first-round pick in the 1990 NBA draft, was one of the true revolutionaries in the league. Dennis Scott, picked third, of course, nicknamed 3D, was one of the, uh, really kind of one of the the, the guys who made the three-pointer a major weapon. The story goes that back at Georgia Tech, Dennis Scott had to fight his coach Bobby Kremens to say, hey, on in transition, I'm going to stop at this three-point line and I'm going to take a three. And of course, he had to, it was a big fight, but he proved that that was a valuable shot for him. The Magic's three-point changes, uh, three-pointers 
really began to change uh, with Dennis Scott's arrival. Um, in the, 19, the 1991 season, saw the Magic take nine two three-point attempts per game. That rose them to sixth in the league. Again, Dennis Scott, a big, big part of that. He was one of the first players to take three-pointers at the collegiate level, taking nine and 9.1 and 9.5 three-point attempts per game in his final two seasons. And he brought that back to Orlando. Now, Orlando still would not take more than 10 three-point attempts per game until Shaquille O'Neal's rookie season in 1992, in the 1992-93 season. Even then, they only took 10.8 per game with just 889 total. But Orlando started to become a better shooting team. With Shaquille O'Neal on the post, they had more space for Nick Anderson, Dennis Scott, and even Scott Skiles to begin taking threes. And you began to see the three-pointers begin to creep up. Half the league would not take more than 10 three-point attempts per game until the 1995 season when 26 teams passed 10 three-point attempts per game. And part of that was because the league moved the three-point line to 22 feet from 23 feet 9 inches. It's currently at that, at that length now. The Orlando Magic and Houston Rockets in 1995 were true revolutionaries. The Rockets led the league with 21.4 three-point attempts per game. The Magic were at 17.2. So a three-point shot was beginning to get used. But the league's gimmick to bring the three-point line in brought a lot of those three-point attempts up. And Dennis Scott was one of the great beneficiaries of it. Dennis Scott was just a dynamo from beyond the arc. Someone that could not be stopped from deep. He had his best seasons in those three seasons, the 1994 season, the 1995 season, and the 1996 season when the league shortened that three-point line. Or 95, it was 95, 96, 97. It was three seasons that the NBA went with the shortened three-point line. He shot 38.6% in his first four years in the league and was a, a dominant three-point shooter in his years with Orlando. Obviously, during the 1996 game against the Atlanta Hawks, Dennis Scott made an unthinkable 11 three-pointers. Yes, this was at the shortened line, but that is a record that would not get broken until 2003, just seven years later when Kobe Bryant did it. The record is now 14 by Klay Thompson, set in 2018. Dennis Scott was just a dominant three-point shooter. Really changed the game and really showed that there could be three-point specialists in this league. Now, eventually, the NBA was probably going to get to this point. The idea of a three-pointer was going to go into overdrive. It was going to be more than a gimmick. And the Houston Rockets, again, in 95, with Mario Welly, with Robert Ory, with Kenny Smith, with Sam Cassell, probably began teaching the league that, hey, get role players who can spread the floor, and all of a sudden, you're starting to stretch the floor, you're starting to warp the floor a little bit. But Dennis Scott was one of what was a big part of this revolution, and it's really important to remember that. Why, why Dennis Scott is not in the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame yet probably has to do with availability. Um, Dennis Scott should be the next guy in the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame. If, I, I don't believe he's in there yet. But that Dennis Scott, seven seasons with the Magic, just a critical player. And the development of the company today, analytics have, begin, have, have given numbers and reasoning behind, hey, taking threes is more valuable. Three points is more than two. Duh. But that was not how the league thought. Back in the '90s, back in the back in the back back in the early years of this team, the league. A, I think I just don't think the skill set was there. Players didn't practice shooting, so if you could separate yourself by being a great three point shooter, you were a rare thing. Obviously, now everyone does it. And Dennis Scott, not the most mobile guy in the world, certainly benefited from being able to hand check to make up for 
uh, any any athletic athleticism that he lacked. But Dennis Scott was a key piece of this revolution. It was a key piece of making the three-pointer a dominant feature of today's game. Dennis Scott would be very much at home in the modern NBA. But back in the 90s, he was something truly unique. And the Orlando Magic were a big part of making the three-pointer an accepted strategy in those early, early days of the league. Or the early, early days of their franchise and their presence in the league. We'll have more stories about, and more kind of tell more stories about what the Magic's relationship is with three-point shooting throughout the month, including our top 10 list on OrlandoMagicDaily.com as we reveal our list of the top 10 shooters in Orlando Magic history. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You, of course, find me on Twitter at R underscore MD. Follow the podcast uh, wherever you download podcasts. Just subscribe Apple Podca- on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Now that you're done listening to us, be sure to check out the Locked On NBA podcast. They're still going strong even through the offseason with the latest around the NBA, including, I'm sure, some thoughts on the NBA retiring the number six for Bill Russell. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily, Locked On Magic, and Bill Russell. We'll see you again next time for another episode of Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.